This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to substitute or replace the advice of a licensed medical professional. Hey girl, my name is Cheyenne Burnett and I am a lover of French fashion, Italian food, and art of all kinds. I am wildly in love with my ride or die Brad and we have the coolest kids. Oh, and my breast implants tried to kill me. I went from having all of the cutout photos on my goal board coming true to hanging by a thread. A sea of depression-riddled chronic illness symptoms medical specialists couldn't ever give me answers for. Because what I was suffering from, too many doctors and surgeons today are still claiming isn't even real. I was suffering from breast implant illness. And since you're here with me right now, you're probably wondering if you are too. So think of this as your one-stop shop for a true crime style happy hour with a less boobed bestie, that's me, mixed with the real information that can actually help you. So get cozy and get ready because you're about to question everything you currently believe about women's health and about beauty because this is the Explant Secrets Podcast. Okay, so in the last episode, we ended on the fact that a dog walking around with a breast implant prototype for two weeks was all it took for these doctors to say, yep, we can put these inside women. It'll be fine. (laughs) But how, right? How in the world Could the FDA approve a product with such little research and such high risk? Well, explant secret number two. They didn't. The truth is, the FDA didn't actually start regulating medical devices until 1976, more than a decade after breast implants were created. Breast implants were simply grandfathered in and never required to do any, any safety reviews or clinical trials. Dr. Thomas Biggs, a plastic surgeon and colleague of Dr. Giroux, is even quoted in Michelle V's excellent documentary saying, the kind of studies one should engage oneself in, we didn't do. No one even thought about it. Which means breast implant manufacturers and the surgeons who put them in not only never had to prove the product was safe, they never had to care if it was or not because they were allowed to sell it to us either way. There was, however, actually a lot of concern in the medical community about the safety of breast implants early on. And though their advisory committee did tell them that, the FDA chose to do nothing about it. And sure enough, several years later, documented reports of direct harm done to women by breast implants started surfacing. And it came to light that these manufacturers had actually been getting negative reports from the very beginning. Then internal documents from Dow, the same silicone manufacturer that Dr. Giroux called about his great idea, were leaked. And they revealed Dow had actually been concealing just how dangerous silicone really is. 
Dr. Diana Zuckerman, a former congressional investigator, actually ended up with those internal documents because of a journalist. Thank God for good journalism. And she ended up taking it straight to the FDA commissioner. Dow knew the breast implants they were making negatively stimulated the immune system by at least 1975. And we know that because their internal documents say so. And thanks to Dr. Zuckerman, the FDA subpoenaed the company documents that say it. Those documents also go as far as to call the product they were knowingly selling to us to put in our bodies profoundly toxic. That is their words. The internal documents from the people that make them call breast implants on paper profoundly toxic. And those same internal documents also contained memos from the salesmen saying that they were blatantly lying to the doctors about there being clinical trials in the works. So let's just get really clear about what that means for us for just a second. Okay. The company who makes the breast implants knows they are profoundly toxic. Their words, not mine. They know their sales reps are lying to the plastic surgeons, telling them clinical trials were underway. That's all documented. And then also documented in these internal memos are complaints from the sales reps themselves saying that the implants were literally leaving an oily residue and they placed it on the plastic surgeon's desks during sales meetings. So gel bleed is a term that we are going to talk about in length in a later episode. But the short version is the toxic liquid inside implants is able to seep out of the silicone shell. And it happens from day one, not just over time and not only after a rupture. No, from day one. And because more than one surgeon questioned those sales guys about the product leaking, it's documented that the Dow executive's solution was not to fix the product. Oh no. They just told the sales guys to wash the implant really well with soap and water before every appointment so that doctors don't see the residue. Is anyone else's head spinning at this? Like, this can't be real, right? But it is. And it's all documented and laid out for us to see if we know where to look. The problem is none of us knew we should be looking. Now, don't get me wrong. There is, in my opinion, a substantial portion of the blame that should rightfully be directed towards the plastic surgeons. And I will for sure explain why I think that. But for the sake of our current discussion, I think it's really important you understand the foundation this entire empire of horrors is built on, which is the sickening fact that breast implants were permitted to enter the market with zero safety testing because there was no system in place to prevent it and no one cared to check if they were actually safe first, including all the plastic surgeons putting them in and the manufacturers who called their own product profoundly toxic were happily paying salesmen all over to lie and say these things are safe 
to put inside women's bodies. If that doesn't make your stomach turn, girl, I don't know what would. Now, all of this was happening in the 60s and 70s. It wasn't until 1988 when Sybil Goldrich wrote an article detailing her story of four failed sets of breast implants after breast cancer and how sick the breast implants made her that the conversation about breast implant safety even really started. That is almost 30 years that these fuckers got to profit off of knowingly making us sick without any repercussions. So they had a three-decade head start, and then the war started. So Sybil, the original breast implant illness advocate, the angel that she is, gets her article published in Miss Magazine in 1988. And that same year, she actually formed the first breast implant illness support group, the Command Trust Network, as a way for women to share their stories. This network is basically what we're now being able to recreate on a much larger scale with all of the awesome breast implant illness Facebook groups and other social media platforms, which is why I could scream every time I hear a plastic surgeon say those groups are not helpful and why you'll probably hear me reference the Explant Secrets Facebook group more than once during our time together because it is crucial that we come together on this. We are the only way this stops happening to more women and you need to know what other women are going through right now so that when a doctor tells you that your symptoms are just because you're getting older or Mm, yeah, that's what motherhood feels like. (laughs) You know that that's not true. And you know that you're not the only one who feels like this. Okay, back to Sybil really quick though. So she gets her article published. She forms the Command Trust Network. And then two years later in 1990, a reporter by the name of Connie Chung reaches out to Sybil and asks if she would allow her to show a photo of Sybil's chest on TV, showing the physical damage four sets of failed implants had caused during the first ever live report on the dangers of breast implants during prime time TV. Sybil said yes. And she does a whole interview. And that makes her a hero in my book. But what happens next is exactly why, in my opinion, doctors and surgeons are just as responsible as the manufacturers. So Connie Chung's interview airs, and understandably, a flood of women start contacting their plastic surgeons. And instead of listening to these women, the majority of doctors blew them off completely. So much so that between doctors They were even making jokes and saying these women just have Connie Chung disease. I'm not even kidding. That was a real term that they were using, Connie Chung disease. Can you believe that? Thankfully, Sybil and other remarkably strong women who'd suffered at the hands of these doctors didn't stop fighting, though. They took their complaints as far up the ladder as they possibly could, and they spoke about their horrific experiences at a hearing held by FDA Commissioner David Kessler, which ultimately contributed to the FDA banning silicone breast implants in 1992. 
after it was undeniable that manufacturers had not adequately addressed safety concerns about certain complaints and complications. The complications that they listed during that hearing include pain, deformity, serious illness, implant rupture, silicone leakage, chronic inflammatory disease, hardening of the surrounding tissue, and interference with cancer detection. That was in 1992, ladies. I was born in 1991. At the time of this recording, I am 32 years old, which means this fight has been happening since way before I was born, and I did not learn that they could make us sick until four years ago. I don't know about you, but that screams red flag to me because the amount of effort it takes to silence that many women for that long is astounding, especially with the ability we now have to connect through social media. And when I tell you about the efforts made just to silence me, you'll be shocked. And then when I introduce you to my friend and fellow advocate Amanda and you hear her story, well, all I'm going to say is you are probably going to be double-checking your doors are locked after that one. But for right now, we will wrap up today's history lesson here and... If you want to see the original segment Connie Chung did on December 2nd, 1990, I've actually included that in the link in today's show notes. So go check those out at explantsecrets.com under podcast. And until next time, remember knowledge is power. And that is the whole point I'm here for you because you deserve to feel powerful. Hey girl, so I'm over here giving you a massive virtual hug. Unless, of course, you don't like hugs, then it's a crisp high five. <laughs> because you just finished listening to this episode of the Explant Secrets podcast. Did that just go by way too fast for anyone else? <laughs> if you want more, head over to explantsecrets.com. Because under podcast, you'll find a full breakdown of today's episode, show notes, sponsor discount codes, and a bunch of free stuff that I built just for you. And if you're looking for a new crew of some seriously inspiring women who've been there, maybe to bounce your questions off of or just gain some much needed support, check out my free Explant Secrets Facebook group. You can find the link in today's show notes. Okay, you Explant Rebel you, as we part ways for now, keep these words close to your heart. You are worthy. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of health and you are worthy of living life to its fullest. Never forget that you have the power to reclaim your story and redefine your own definition of beautiful. So until next time, please be kind to yourself and don't be afraid to stay just a little bit rebellious. (laughs) See you soon.